1: Cult
0: and Classic! Welcome friends and fiends of the pod to another episode of Cult and Classic Podcast. This is the podcast where we discuss two thematically linked films, one mainstream and one cult and uh i'm your host nate Wyckoff, film critic and comedian and i'm super excited about this one this is one of those pairings that i had i had planned to do before the podcast even launched uh this has been on the docket for a long time and i'm super excited to talk about it uh but first our guests for this week are greg johnson how are you doing greg i'm really busy uh don't don't come to me oh okay well the nice thing is is that i know you're unemployed now um what the- <laughs> <laughs> he's he's available guys he's available he works cheap um he has a strong back uh you know I'll, uh, I'll die plowing the fields for trotsky or whatever the pig's name from animal farm was that's right so. speaking of pig uh we got to gear up for nicholas cage's pig because that looks yeah. stellar uh and rounding out our cast for today is mandy longley how are you doing mandy I'm good.
1: I just finished wrestling a toddler into bed. So I'm warmed up, and yes. ready to go.
0: Yes. Mandy is not unemployed. Um, most of us, <laughs> I- I'm yearning to be unemployed, but that's not the case. So uh, we will, we will, uh, we will just round out the cast that way. Now, today's uh, part one of our double feature is, w- w- let's see, we had a good name for it. Um, I think it was a uh, doge double feature or if you're an internet nerd doge double feature uh and there's a reason it sort of fits it sort of doesn't fit but that's okay we have two animated movies to talk about this week we're going to talk about part one the mainstream film which is disney's 1995 feature a goofy movie this is beloved by many um interestingly enough We have, we're all the same generation here on this podcast today, but a few years apart. I think uh, I'm in the middle. Mandy's a a year or two older and Greg is a year or two younger. Uh, So it's an interesting dynamic because I think this came out for me like right as I was aging out of the traditional go-see-in-the-theater Disney movie, Um, but I was still very aware of it. Um, My wife, on the other hand, is a little younger than me. Uh, This was definitely a big movie for her and her family. So it's interesting to see the perspective differences that just a few years will make when we're talking about a mainstream film. Uh, Let's go into the plot because a goofy movie is one of those strange features that only uh, a company like Disney or maybe a comic company like Marvel or DC can really do because it takes familiar characters or from previous projects uh namely primarily Goofy uh Goofy the dog from classic Disney cartoons of yesteryear with uh and puts them into a new environment a new storyline uh, a contemporary sort of real world based place uh we we get this we actually got a similar thing uh much earlier in the Disney timeline with Robin Hood. Disney's Robin Hood has Baloo and other characters from other Disney films worked into the Robin Hood storyline. This case is sort of like if you took Goofy, gave him a family of anthropomorphic dogs, uh, took one of the uh, Mickey Mouse's nemesis from uh, the early cartoons, Pete the dog, and made him like the sort of keeping up with the Joneses neighbor. Uh, and you just kind of put it in the shell of early 90s saved by the bell like that's that's pretty much what it is and it's it's a road trip film uh and actually both our features feature a little bit of a road trip Uh, and so i'm really excited to talk about it i will talk uh next week with the panel on uh, part two which is rock and rule a 1983 nilvana animated feature which does have some thematic links with a goofy movie and is largely unknown to audiences mainstream and cult and it is one of my personal favorites so i'm excited to talk about that so make sure you listen next week as well so you get the full picture on the doge double feature okay plot uh before i let anyone else talk everyone knows i have to stumble through the plot of these movies now we do have spoilers again we don't talk about spoilers uh as as actually spoiling a film there are very few movies that hinge on knowing what happens in the end uh what we talk about may give away plot points but if it's your kind of movie then trust me you'll still enjoy it regardless of whatever you hear us saying now a goofy movie follows primarily max who in this universe is goofy's son Max is really really into this girl in high school I'm guessing they're because they're not driving I'm guessing he's probably a freshman and this is the end of freshman year somewhere around that age Um, and of course he's kind of becoming he's a young adult he's aging up uh, and he's paranoid that he's becoming goofy like his dad which um, by the way he is Uh, but he's sort of the cool he's 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 a more of a main character than Zach from save of the bell because Zach was kind of a a skis ball if you really look at it. Um, Although he was my heart and soul growing up. Uh, Max is a sweet kid. He wants to be cool. He tries really hard. He has like the ride or die friend the overweight goofy PJ, uh, which is Pete's son. And uh, then he also has uh, the uh, ridiculously great. um, uh, Like I don't know what you call him like high school stoner friend. um the the polly shore the polly shore yes polly shore's yeah. character um uh,
2: Robert Bobby
0: Zimmerski yes that guy? yeah yes um and uh it, it's i mean he's fantastic he's mostly only in the beginning of the film but I am very much a big fan of his uh I don't. I don't even know. I don't know what you'd call him other than like the stereotypical dazed and confused stoner friend, uh, who runs the AV club equipment. Like a, a burnout. I a mean. Bur- yeah, he's a burnout. Like super positive, you know. Uh, wears glasses inside. Um, more hippie than Bono, but uh, yeah. And he's voiced by Paulie Shore, which we'll get into a little bit later. Uh, he, interestingly enough, this is one of the only Disney films of like the modern age that has i mean there are obviously well-known actors and actresses throughout the cast but most of them are professional voice actors as opposed to actors with name credentials uh who go in and this is one of the last i would say before we sort of get into everyone has to be voiced by a famous celebrity um We've talked about that on this podcast before. Uh, I'm not necessarily against a great actor uh, portraying a character in, in an animated feature. But it is interesting that we have a really skilled, amazing, often far superior voice acting cast um, that you can put in a role instead of a big name uh, actor. And it really, it really inc- it changes the dynamic of the film. And I I wish that we would see more of that uh, once again. But anyway, uh, Jason Marsden is the actor that plays Max Goof. And he's trying to impress Roxanne, who is like the quiet hot girl at school i guess um that he's had a crush on she clearly has a crush on him as well but he ter- becomes tongue-tied when he sees her et cetera, et cetera. well he scores a date uh with her to the dance or to a, a, a graduation party because it's the end of the school year uh unbeknownst to him the big grandiose dance number in the middle of the school auditorium that got him in trouble uh and also got him the date with roxanne uh caused a phone call home to his uh, dad who becomes worried that he's going down the wrong path and he's gonna end up in the electric chair. So Goofy plans (laughs) a road trip uh, following the path that he took with his dad to go fishing many years before and steals max away on this road trip well max is horrified because now he can't go on a date with roxanne so he makes up a big story that says uh he's actually going to the powerline concert and he'll wave to her from the stage because his dad is old friends with powerline who is in this universe like the hottest mega super rock star very much a prince uh, bobby brown michael jackson uh homage character And uh, we'll talk about that a little more as well. But it, of course, ends in a big, great music number. This is a musical uh, film, although I feel like the musical numbers, there's only maybe, I feel like five or so throughout the thing, something along those lines. It's one of the lighter ones. I think that if you're one of those people that's like, oh, I can't do a kid's musical. I don't feel like this really feels like a traditional kid's musical. You know, it's not Aladdin, uh, which is uh, fantastic, but it doesn't have it where the, the songs really drive the plot heavily this one is more the songs are illustrative of the plot that is happening Um, so anyway all things wind up nicely in the end uh through series of uh slapstick problems and it really works out nicely so there's a lot of other stuff in there uh and i've rambled enough let us go to greg greg did you see this movie when it came out
2: um I want to say yes, but I would have been pretty young when this came out. Um, well, I, mean, I def- <laughs> right back when I was a wee tot. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I definitely saw it shortly thereafter. Um, I vaguely remember watching it um, at an age where I was younger than Max. So I wasn't quite in high school. So it was definitely one of those kind of watching a movie about older kids and like, oh, boy, like, that's what it's going to be
0: like in high school mm-hmm and and interesting if you if for those listeners who aren't maybe uh don't have advanced degrees in in creative writing and fiction writing they don't marketing doesn't actually say that you should write for the age you want to consume your product they actually say you need to write for the age older than uh like in the next stage of life uh, than the one you want to consume your product um, so for example if you want to write a story about high school students you're not actually marketing it to high school students. It would be uh, aimed at people who haven't yet gone to high school, who are going to high school, the, the tween market, essentially. So when you get a movie, say, Uh, like the hunger games you're not actually aiming it at like 7 to 18 year olds although I'm sure plenty of those thought as well you're actually aiming it at 14 to maybe 15 year olds so that's sometimes why you'll see movies that seem like the plot may be a little juvenile um, and I'm not using that as a as a insult but they may be juvenile but the content is a little more advanced uh, or the concept of the story is a little more advanced it's because they're marketing it uh they're marketing a story to people who have not yet gone through this uh it makes more sense when you think of it this way how many like teen sex romps uh are are realistic at all zero zero of them are realistic but it's what teens think maybe it will happen when they turn 18 um so that's the concept <clears throat> um mandy did you see this movie when it came out because you had a brother that was about the age that would see this movie
1: right like the timing would have been right for me to take him to the movies to see it but this was not the kind of movie that jeff liked to watch he he was um very much probably more on track for like watching the films that were about the age group that he was like he was kind of I don't know, he's doing the stuff that I was doing. So it was like five years off for him. So you guys were watching
0: Vampire Hunter, Bloodlust and <laughs> Probably yes. Instead, you know, Actually,
1: or- I mean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: right, right. Um, <laughs> it, it didn't it didn't affect him at all. Um
1: no, it came out just fine. <laughs> so so five-year-old sibling from you completely manage your media consumption is not a problem
0: (laughs) totally i listen i saw robocop when i was about six years old and it it clearly didn't affect my future uh Mm -hmm. choice of careers greg what uh what what was your uh, how did you feel about a goofy movie when you saw it before versus uh, how you took it in now
2: um, I mean, when I first saw it, I mean, it was definitely more I mean, it was pure entertainment. You know, I was young enough, you know, in su- in previous viewings that, you know, I was just kind of watching it for nostalgia. I was watching it just to purely enjoy it. Like I said, um, this time, I mean, there's there's a couple things that I was a little more, I think, critical on or just kind of <laughs> noticed um, picking up on just vague plot holes. Um like uh, two that really stood out. One was they have a throwaway bit about Goofy's like, oh, like I'm going on a trip with my best friend. And Max is like, oh, who, Donald Duck? And Goofy's like, no, it's you, son. And then um, when they're actually beginning the road trip, they have a a song about road tripping and who should be hitchhiking, presumably on the side of the road, but Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck. And Donald Duck weirdly has no lines, not even a quack, nothing. But I'm, but I'm, I'm thinking like, so far we've seen that everyone in this universe looks vaguely like a dog so we had this presumption of like (laughs) is this like dog town is like is the mickey mouse greater universe segregated like what's going on there but then we see donald duck and mickey on the road and Goofy doesn't see them max doesn't see them just kind of an odd little thing um and then uh I remember really liking the After Today song a lot. I mean, it's it's catchy as shit. Yeah. Um, but for some reason, and I don't know why I jumped to this, but the very beginning of that song is you see Max kind of being teased by some people like it's obvious like, oh, he's known as like the goof kid. He's yep. like the the weird one, um, so when the song starts up, he says they've been laughing since I can remember, but they're not gonna laugh anymore. No more Maxi the Geek, no more Goof of the Week like before, and it's it's kind of this upbeat, kind of poppy rock to it's it. The first
0: first song of the show, yeah.
2: But I'm just thinking, you know, um, school shootings weren't as prominent when I first saw this, so. <laughs> in hindsight kind of seeing that lyrics of the picked on kid like oh they're not going to be laughing right. anymore yes. like as these storms towards school i'm like oh shit
0: that's so um, funny because yeah it, it does hit differently certain things something that i noticed they hit a little differently too is there are several visual jokes uh on fat people particularly fat women and um yeah. it's at no point in time does it say like, these people aren't good or these people aren't people because they're fat, but it is a joke on size. Like it's a it's a visual joke of like um, uh, a giantess woman like with a tiny minuscule husband kind of thing. And I just yeah. feel like we, I'm not even saying it's wrong because again, there is a difference between portrayal and variety in people and sizes and all sorts of things versus um, uh, like, having a narrow myopic view but at the same time i think that we're more aware of picking on people who have some sort of physical difference and so those things were or maybe they stand out more now um which which is weird because then um you know like you yeah during the road trip there's like
2: some line about like oh like we're gonna have an odd romance or something like that and yeah it's this very very tiny man and this mm. very very large woman and max even comments like yeah very odd indeed or something um but then at the <laughs> and like that's yeah the, the joke is big woman little man like that's that's the joke but then you have at the end um goofy accidentally walks in on a dressing room for a woman
0: oh and, so and, weird
2: yeah, yes. very weird and um she's she's pretty big and and not like i mean obviously they're all animated dog
0: people so i thought
1: it was a dude
0: and maybe it wasn't but it's hard to tell it was definitely
1: female the, the person was female presenting when it came to the show itself but like in the dressing room like i i thought it was a dude yeah not not either
2: way not like traditional Hollywood portrayals of beauty but you still have goofy react in this kind of like I'm embarrassed at seeing someone pretty in a a vulnerable state which was kind of
0: Uh, i'm I'm sure someone has used his facial reaction as a meme too because he doesn't say words and his face i forget what they call the meme um but there's actually an interview with him recently but the stoner the stoned kid uh meme like he kind of looks like that his eyes become super narrow and he smiles gawkily and he makes like this like this weird (laughs) it leering funky it's the strangest moment like i don't know what I i just I don't know what the animators were told in that moment. (laughs) It's like the fabric of time is being squished and Goofy is horny. Like, (laughs) just picture that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and
2: but um, yeah, another thing, I mean, on this viewing is, like you said, um, Roxanne is very clearly also into Max. Mm -hmm. As a kid, that went over my head. I was like, oh, like, you know, like, oh, poor Max. Like, I hope he gets the girl. When, like, Mm -hmm. as an adult, I'm like, oh, she... Like he, he could basically like fall into her and break her nose and she would still be into him. Like sure. I mean Yeah.
0: You know. It was and actually that was one of those things I really liked and other things have done it too, but I think it's less common that the having the clear mutual attraction. Um, I think it's less common than the whole like Uh, realization like wow I didn't know you existed like that's (laughs) the most common one and it's so stupid like the idea that two people would work somehow because of a grand gesture without a pre-existing attraction whereas it's clear that she has had a crush on him forever just like he has her right like and that's a really cute moment um and of course it then it it adds strength to the later thing when he comes clean with her that he's lied about the whole thing even though he actually does get on stage with powerline spoiler alert um (laughs) you know that that like she's like you don't have to do that like you don't have to do any of that um and uh And I like it. And I like that, uh, you know, the she kisses him. That's always a nice moment too, that we finally get some kids that have that role reversal. So we don't have the, like, I recently watched Rocky again. uh, And and I love the Rocky series, but that first movie, the whole relationship, the way it starts with Rocky and Adrian is, super scarily raping now, like you watch it and you're like, Oh, this is not okay. Like he forces his way into her apartment. He tells her yes. When she says no over and over again, like, it's just like, we know in the grand scheme of the story that she is actually interested and she's essentially agoraphobic kind of. So like, I know that there are apologists for it, but nowadays we recognize that that's not an acceptable way to behave. That is a movie thing. It isn't real. And it shouldn't be portrayed that way. So whenever you have the female character who has the least power, uh, politically and socially in our culture take the advanced step it's really it's really cute um, um
2: oh uh one one last little thing that this really i i did, i never caught this and i had to rewind it to make sure i i didn't um miss see it but his uh max's good buddy uh PJ? robert uh, no, Robert, Bobby, whatever, oh, the, yeah, the stoner one. Sure, yeah. um, there's there's a bit at the end when they're at the Powerline concert and, oh, all the kids are watching, but Max isn't there. And it kind of cuts to them and Roxanne is, like, getting nervous, like, oh, is Matt? did Max lie? Is he actually going to be at this concert? What's going on? And someone says, like, oh, the goof kid's not there. And it's fucking Bobby. It's his fucking friend who has clearly said his name not an hour ago, who was like, oh, like who calls him Max and hangs out with him and helps him do the prank at the beginning. So like he knows who he is, but he's but they have his character say, oh, the goof kid. And I'm like, rude. I wonder if that's like some like. Animator misstep where they're like, where they had that maybe they they modeled that character in early and he ended up changing into like, oh, it'd be kind of funny if he's the stoner friend of Max's and he's like the AV geek, but they you know left it at the end where he he refers to Max in this derogatory way, yeah, derogatory way, like he doesn't know him and they're not friends.
0: Which it makes me wonder too, who knows? Because you sometimes wonder, I'm like, maybe, especially since Polly Shore was (laughs) there. And I love Polly Shore, actually. I do. And he's, he's great. He's a comedian. I look forward to working with him someday on stage. But, like, he has, at the time, like, at the time, like, he was, this was his peak, right? So, the fact that he was, like, the big name in the cast, it makes me think, too, that they have limited time to record and they don't pay for. Uh, over recording over things, so was it a line that was written like the goof man's not there? You know, like a different kind of title, and then okay. because the reading and the way it was changed is like the the goofy kids not like the goof kids not there, like a totally but it takes a different spin when the when the person reading it doesn't get the context. Yeah, as well. so i buy that because I mean he's also I think
2: he's uncredited.
0: He is. So, so the, supposedly the story is, is that he re, it was in his writer that he be uncredited in the film, um, which is something that he did. He did it because Robin Williams did it uh, for Aladdin. And the reason Robin Williams did it, uh, which is actually a, yet another reason why Robin Williams was, seems to be just a truly amazingly kind person, was because he didn't want his name to be used to market the product that so many other people had their lifeblood in right like that's its own product it doesn't need my name over it as though i'm the lead because i'm not the lead um however i think it's crazy hilarious that paulie shore thought that his name with this character would be like like on the poster if you're watching this on youtube guys it, it would be like paulie shore and then a goofy movie like that cracks me up because it's so it so seems out of the realm of possibility um, yeah like i mean because
2: like what like the aladdin thing like didn't they like they, he for the genie. Oh, you can only put him on so much percentage of the like the the, the DVD cover, the product yeah. cover, the movie posters, whatever. And they like they spread him out in such a way. I mean, look at the Aladdin poster and the mm-hmm. genie's front and center, huge, and it says mm-hmm. like Robin Williams and like they very closely skirted. Yep. Robin Williams' contract and kind of took advantage. Of that.
0: Well, and I mean, frankly, as soon as trailers hit for it too, people were crazy for it. They could see oh, how yeah. amazing it was. So, like, I get it. And Polly Short does a great job with this character. He's, it's, it's great. And I love the subversive nature. And there's a lot of subversive things in this, actually. But I love the subversive nature of having this clear burnout stoner kid. Um, be his like backup friend because two things one it's funny because kids don't get that he's uh you know he's a stoner (laughs) 14 year old or whatever um but also it kind of teaches it's one of those things that without realizing it teaches people that everyone's different. And that's okay. And like, when you become a teenager, you may have that friend that you know, you may not whatever smoke pot, you know, inject heroin between your toes, whatever. But you may know a kid that does. And that doesn't mean they're a bad person, right? Like, it's just a different like, everyone is different. There are good and bad people in all walks of life. And it's just one of those things that I like having diversity that is less obvious than, say, like the Burger King, Burger King Club kids, right? You know, where it's like, um, you know, there's the black friend and the red-haired kid with glasses and there's the girl and there's the guy in the wheelchair. Although, again, diversity is great, but it's just we know and the Asian person, like, we know when it's forced, right? Like, it's not, you um, like you know in in an 80s action movie when uh the street gang is curiously multi multi uh uh, ethnic right like you're like okay i understand why you're doing this and that's totally fine but we're not it's not passing for reality um and i like the idea that this is sort of a little closer to reality as goofy as it is pun intended um yeah so mandy what was your first off had you seen this movie before
1: I had not seen the movie. I think it's the only part that I had seen or recognized was the Leaning Tower of Cheesa from Holly Shores, thing. and I was like, "Oh, that was from a movie."
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and like, of course, thing. the the they pay their their stoner friend with a bottle of Cheese Whiz to get um, the AV equipment set up. So max can take over the stage from the principal at the beginning of the movie and do this like power line inspired dance to win over roxanne so uh they pay him and then he he's they're waiting in the principal's office so have to get in trouble and he sprays a big like glob of cheese whiz and he's like oh the leaning tower of cheesa
1: yeah very probably sure you <laughs> know i had not seen this movie before somehow missed missed out um on this when it originally came out and it's not one that <clears throat> i probably would have watched uh, just by chance, like in between. It's, it's funny
0: because I prob I didn't see it early on either. My wife had me watch it several years ago, um, and I had nothing against it. But I would watched the TV show. Of course, there was there's a sequel, an extremely goofy movie where uh, Max I think goes to college, and then there is the TV show, which sort of is supposed to take place around the time of this movie um, called uh, Goof Troop. And I enjoyed that. You know, it was a, a, a mid era uh, Disney production it had um all the characters anew. plus they gave pete like a hot 80s wife peg which is always odd um with like the super 80s uh, pat benatar haircut and um and and i, I saw it and i was like okay this is cute but i don't i didn't see a connection with myself in this movie but then when i watched it with her because she was like no you have to watch this movie i loved it um and i think part of it is because it's a weird disney movie sort of in the way like you can see certain Disney movies have a vision behind it that is, it feels like it's sort of one person because it's so unique, like Lilo and Stitch, you know? It's such a unique vision um, that the end product stands very much apart from other Disney features. Uh, and, and I think the reason is, is because this is, one of the reasons is it's a time capsule movie. Um, it's very much the the mid nineties still trend. we still have that oh, the man over like, the 80s
1: like his outfit in the opening scene with like the oversized hoodie and oversized pants hoodie. like oh my gosh! Yes. like mid 90s like for me it was totally. like oh my gosh it's high school like yeah yeah very like definitely um almost like dated but like it, it dates the piece like you know exactly yeah. what time frame it was from
0: well and and it's interesting because I didn't, it's one of those, it's rare for me to watch a movie and get nostalgia because of my life rather than nostalgia because of when I saw the movie. Does that make sense? Like a lot of movies yes. I'll watch because of like, oh, I saw this in the 80s or whatever it was, or when I was a kid or in, you know, 92 and all I can think of was Terminator 2. You know what I mean? Like I, those are what you usually associate when I see a movie and feel like I have nostalgia. This one, like you said, it is, I think older millennials who are right on the Gen X line, like us, really this movie felt (laughs) like life in many ways which is weird because of course it's exaggerated and also a little sanitized but still weird like it's a road trip movie and when they stop at places it's just it's a very weird movie and the side characters the background characters the
1: animatronics thing like was so spot on for our age group and it's like there were those things around, like you don't really see them anymore, do you? Like so like Lester's we're
0: talking about uh, I think it's Lester's Possum Palace, right? Yeah. In the in the movie. And what's weird about this too, so they go and Goofy's super excited to take Max there because it's like a it's a it's a it's a Chuck E. Cheese kind of thing, right? Where they go in and but really what it is is it's a dig against Disney's own property, the country bear jamboree which is, I actually believe that they just removed the Country Bear Jamboree from Disneyland, which I'm actually devastated by um, because I love the Country Bear Jamboree. And um, anyone who is lives in an area where they have, I think it's Rocky Mountain uh, Candy Company. Is that what it's called? Um, they have the giant stuffed, like obese bear, um, country bear yokel that they like to put in front of a lot of the stores. That's from the Country Bear Jamboree. But yeah, these animatronic like singing anthropomorphic animals um and it's like for kids and it's a weird thing i love animatronics and puppetry so i always loved it even as a kid but they're really weird and the fact that they made them possums instead of something that is more commonly cuddly like a teddy bear or um a big comic mouse you know it's like they're just jagged teeth beady eyes rat-like tails and they're already they they take them from being full-on like country to like moonshiners right (laughs) like they're just they're just straight up you know redneck zombie land hicks and uh it's wild and i love it and it's it was kind of to me it's very bold and i don't know that disney had really done that before where they trolled their own property so hard
1: i don't uh, know it just reminded me very much of bear Wright from concord new hampshire where we grew up i don't know if your parents ever I, took you I there never
0: went there
1: never went there oh no. man. It was just because my mom worked in concord but yeah it was like they had an animatronics thing and it was a show exactly like in this movie That's great. um but it was definitely I don't know, it must have been from like more like late 80s early 90s i gotta have to look it up but like it, it would have been showing its age by 95 and then, yeah. like and kind of on his way out so like for me i was just like wow that is like very on the note it was like this was that was like the moment like a like a teenage kid who like maybe went to one of those as a little little kid like seeing that and am been like oh this is like 10 years ago this this thing is falling apart like
0: yeah they they always cool. i feel like when i was a kid because i loved Chuck E. cheese when i was little mm-hmm. and they had the same similar thing right yeah, and actually they did. invader zim of course had a uh the the like super great um satire of it and there was always one that just wasn't functioning all the way because they you know five nights at freddy's those that Mm -hmm. that whole game series and and sort of cultural um phenomenon and we talked about the banana splits movie where they kind of worked that idea of puppetry into it and animatronics kids love that now in these fictionalized forms, but I don't think they really connect that this is real for us. Like real. we actually yeah. watched these things. Um,
1: and that like, was our childhood, right?
0: Uh, and now that we are old enough to be content creators, we're doing that. Even though the actual things they're based on are kind of phased out or fading out. Um, for example, I don't know that a lot of Chuck E. Cheese's or any Chuck E. Cheese even have that anymore. I think they're they've moved more towards like a young oh, yeah, Dave the- and Buster's market.
1: Exactly. Yeah. No. I think really it was like all gone by the early two thousands, like mid 90s to early two thousands. Like all that stuff was just like gone.
0: And like the gone. Possum Palace is one where that that that's the scene. That's the thing I always remember. And then I remember the end dancing with Powerline, which we'll get to. Um, but something else, I don't, because during this they go. That's one of the first stops where we see that Goofy is has misaged his son right his son is aging up and so it's no longer just a miscommunication goofy doesn't see him as the young adult he's becoming and max is sort of struggling to voice that he's a young adult and keeps shutting down so they keep miscommunicating then here's the thing no matter how many times i've now watched this movie i never remember the critical moment when bigfoot shows the hell up when they're fishing and there's like this big interlude bit with Bigfoot eating all their food, playing with their stuff, listening to their Walkman and and uh, to uh, the BGS dancing in the background, and like then falling asleep on top of their car. Well, I don't know. I'm trying to figure out why that part of the movie does not compute in my brain. Um, it's funny. It's weird. Uh, so by all, you know, rights, I should have latched on to that. Um, and I think the I think it's because you could kind of excise that whole section of the movie and you'd still have a a movie that made sense Um, because uh, it's, it's, there are good moments. We get Max and Goofy sort of showing, both showing that they love each other, but missing themselves. like they like goofy misses seeing max like really showing his love kind of a bit and max misses goofy like they get it but they can't connect yet and they need that big like blow up where goofy gets mad at max finally um when they're like their car has gone off uh the rails and they're in like i don't know if it's the grand canyon or supposed to be the grand canyon and they're like floating down the river and then they kind of have to survive on these rafts it's a very like onward if anybody's seen pixar's onward and if you haven't what are you doing with your life go watch onward but it's that moment right down the river all things come clean in the wash (laughs) that kind of thing so let's let's talk about um power line in this because I feel like you can go on TikTok now and just type in "powerline" and find so many people like doing the full-on Michael Jackson-style dance um, in this, and it is—I mean, it is—it is kind of iconic, and it is so so 1990s. Um, I don't know that anybody even really was ever like this. But for some reason, this is what the, the the late 80s concept of Michael Jackson and the visuals of Prince and the, the, the sound of Bobby Brown, um, they kind of all built together into this idea of what the 90s music scene was like. And really, it wasn't like this. Um, you know, the big arena show with the crazy dancing and the parachute pants um, kind of vibe. It was like there were elements of everything but it's an amalgamation that i don't feel like ever existed in this form that said there are some people who kill the power line dance uh and i am so jealous because i cannot do that um but tevin campbell sings power lines parts and uh the 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 main song is eye to eye which if anyone has tried googling it or finding it on youtube or on spotify or whatever uh you're gonna have a hell of a time like i did because it's spelled the letter i the number two and the letter i that is extremely 90s that is like the most 90 thing 90s thing ever is spelling that i to i um yeah so i again i i think that and you mentioned it greg the opening song after today and then i to i those are the two standout songs for me and i remember the a couple of the others that exist but i really don't remember them that well i couldn't sing them um and i think in that respect the fact that it's not the focus of the movie shows pretty pretty much extremely (laughs) and uh and i don't know that that's a negative. I, th- I think that there is a big following of Disney films who listen to the soundtracks over and over again, that sort of thing. I think they might have been the group that was disappointed in this film. Uh, and there was a constituent that was because the soundtrack is not as strong. It's not that the lyrics aren't fun, but I don't see them as being memorable for the most part. Um, and Eye to Eye really steals it. And it's not a traditional music musical number. It is a straight up pop song. Um, let's see the one i mean the other one is stand out at the beginning right uh oh stand out that's yeah the auditorium one yes you're right stand out yeah and that was another again that's also the the power line vocals so tevin Campbell. yeah um and it's also very similar to eye to eye and and, um but yeah but those that was a it was a good one too and i kind of expected more of a reprise of that um but we don't really get that so kudos to them because usually when there's like a a big musical character that everyone worships in one of these movies any movie they have one song and we hear that one song thirty thousand times uh and they gave him two in this one so good on that well so i've babbled a whole bunch um let's move on to the recommendations or or not for this i'm gonna go first uh i totally recommend a goofy movie if you're within the age of uh, like late, late 20s, probably 30 to 40, make sure you've seen this movie because I do think it will speak to both what it growing up was like, but also more accurately, what we wanted to be growing up in our age. Like you want, I wanted to be, even though Max was a goof quote unquote, I wanted to be Max because he clearly had friends. He had a crush. There were people crushing on him he actually was cool enough to be able to pull off some weird stunt like they did in every single tv sitcom like saved by the bell which i mentioned on hundred times um you know a computer wore tennis shoes like anything like that there's always this big scheme he was able to do it uh he didn't have to pay for his lies you know we all wanted to be that kid um so make sure you watched it i think it's fun i think the background characters are wild uh just for example we talked about some of them like the the um, mutton jeff husband wife pairing in the car and musical number but also like the characters at Lester's Possum Palace, they're wild. There's like gap-toothed children like spitting and there's uh, like uh, drunk hicks and then there's like uh, overweight, ugly American tourists, like just, just wild. The background characters steal the show so many times in this. There are also lots of little Easter eggs, um, like an aerial cardboard standee, um, Mickey Mouse is in the background as well as in the scene that Greg mentioned um, with Donald Duck on the edge. I actually... There, there there, was a cut scene, I guess, or, or a cut, I don't think they actually filmed it, um, but there was a scene where Donald Duck was plans to be a travel agent, and when they're plotting it, and he's trying to tell Goofy the answer to his questions, and Goofy can't understand him, and is finally like, it's like, I, I can't understand you. Can I talk to somebody else, please? Which is both hilarious and also very, very, questionable uh because it is of course like a play on uh foreign accents in like airports travel age that sort of thing so it's a weird weird thing i can see why they cut it um but it would have been funny and actually i sort of i think greg you kind of mentioned this i would have loved to see more of the other cast in this movie um i think you could have done with that uh as you said everyone is a dog except for mickey and daffy duck i'm like no wonder they're famous um because they're the only two things that aren't animate dogs uh so there we go uh mandy would you recommend a goofy movie 1995 and if so to who and why
1: would i think it um i think it'd still be really fun for younger kids um, I think it'd be fun to, from a nostalgic perspective unless you have a 15 year old child who is going through their phase of like gaining independence is probably going to completely gut you uh, because it <laughs> <laughs> felt like I felt the parental feels even though oh, I am very far away from these particular types of things happening in my life it was still um, I felt very accurately portrayed as far as like children seeking their own autonomy And um, the challenging emotions that parents go through um, as they let their child go, like being very proud that they are becoming their own person, but also very sad that, you know, like you don't have the childhood moments that you used to have or possibly like the physical affection that you would have from a younger child.
0: Very fair. Um, And I mean, um, it was
1: pretty good that way as well.
0: Yeah. and, And I like the fact, too, that even though Max has a crush and there's a girl involved, the story isn't about um the separation of parent and child happening because of a love interest that's not really that may be like the outside catalyst but it's not the actual divide the divide is growing up and trying to become your own no, personal no. identity yeah um which is something like the crudes it's Definitely. the same idea which we've talked about in a past episode on our nicolas cage january um listen there but it, it also, but that one is more directly caused by the introduction of a love interest um, who's, who's essentially a com- competing for the parent's uh, attention, which is a common theme and certainly happens in the real world. This is one is more of just two characters recognizing the natural separation that occurs with growth and lamenting that and then finding a way around it and connecting uh, in a new way. So I think that that's neat. Greg. Would you recommend a Goofy movie in 1995? And if so, to who and why?
2: Um, You know, I I think I'm actually going to have to pass. Um, I liked this movie. Um, Watching it again, I mean, it just doesn't hold anything for me anymore. Um, I'm not the right age group. I don't have kids. It doesn't fit any real facet of my life. Um, But that said, like, I mean, if you're looking for something to watch with your kids, like, I mean, this is perfect for that. Um, I... There's there's just little weird moments. Um, the freaky dream sequence at the beginning. I vaguely remembered that. Oh, but watching yeah. it again, I'm like, oh, that's like bizarrely disturbing. Um watching Wait, It's where Max is starts
0: to turn yeah, into goofy Mark, in weird yeah. ways. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It, it reminds me a little bit of um there's this Mickey Mouse cartoon where he gets turned into like an evil Mickey, like kind of Jekyll and Heidi or something, and like he like like goes and like kidnaps many or something it's a very is very it one re- of the
0: like 2000 revival ones yeah, yeah
2: it's an it's an official disney cartoon yeah. where mickey mouse like maybe he gets split into two and one of him is like very feral and animalistic
0: it's like and yeah it's, 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 it's a stephen king the dark dar- you know the dark half concept right <laughs> yeah um you know um, like my creations come to life and it's the evil <laughs> side of my brain um, um but, other
2: stuff like um when when the principal tells goofy like oh like max did this prank and like like he could face the electric chair and like like it like does that weird like alternating like color so like he looks very dark and evil and he says it and goofy's like oh god it's just the electric chair um that just rubbed me the wrong way um thinking about like my own experience with like I had a single parent and like I like I distinctly remember a time when like a principal said something akin to that like basically like at like like how dare you raise your kid this way and i'm like i'm like that's a that's a shit thing to say
0: it is and it's um i also had principals, uh at least two two actually and both of them insisted on being called headmasters so take from that what you will uh your principal get over it (laughs) um yeah said similar things and uh look at me now i have lots of debt but i got a podcast and a wife and a college degree thank you very much um but but yeah i mean
2: it's just 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 some some weird bits and again i'm not um to do kind of my thing of recommending something else um i was actually thinking about 2004's uh mickey donald and goofy the three musketeers movie Mm -hmm. i remember liking that a lot and i would have watched that um you know, as a, as a teen, young adult, um, and the fact that I remember it so fondly at an age where it was definitely below me. Like, I just remember it having, it having jokes for everyone. It being Mm -hmm. more of a family film versus I think the goofy movie was meant for younger audiences. Um, Mm -hmm. to that extent, um, go, go watch an extremely goofy movie instead. You don't need to watch this movie to enjoy the sequel. Um, and I think the sequel had a little – it had, again, you know, that, that 2000s time bubble, mm-hmm. like how we talked about this
0: one had the 90s, but I think it's a much more um, put-together film. <laughs> Well, I just want to shout out to you mentioned the principal in this movie, Principal Mazur. Uh, it is voiced by Wallace Shawn. Yeah, he really
2: he really nails it.
0: Incredible. Always an incredible actor, an incredible voice actor and an incredible comic genius in himself. Of course, most well known as playing Vizzini in uh, Princess Bride, but also Rex in Toy Story. I mean, just you can't even begin to discuss all of the things Um that Wallace has been in and killed every single time. Uh, PJ, Max's friend, uh, is, is voiced by Rob Paulson, a uh, really well-known voice actor. I love him as Donatello, uh, from the, uh, the 2010-ish or 2012, uh, Ninja Turtles 3D animated reboot. Also, Pinky from Pinky and the Brain. I mean, it's- Yaka Warner. Yakko I mean... Warner. I mean, a Warner Brothers staple. You, you really can't ever go wrong, um, with, uh, with with Rob's Rob's work, and um, then wasn't a,
2: isn't Jim Cummings isn't he Pete?
0: Yes, Jim Cummings yeah. is Pete and does a great job. Frank Welker is Bigfoot, which is fun <laughs> to pick out uh, after the fact, because you know no words, just sounds. Uh, Yeah, so that's it uh, for this part one of Doge Double Feature, friends. I am super excited for this next one as well where we can talk about the similarities. Uh, So tune in next week for Rock and Rule, a 1983 Nelvana production, where we will talk about it and tell you why you should or shouldn't see it. And I'll tell you now, I think you should see it uh but you know that's just that's just me i'm sure we'll have differing opinions so catch that and play us out as always is the chud with all about evil and guys please write a review wherever you get your podcast. it helps other people find us send us recommendations questions hate mail anything you want to cult and classic podcast at gmail.com and follow us on instagram at cult and classic podcast facebook as well thank you so much and we'll catch you next week